When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's smooth 4 p.m. Coming up, sounds of the 70s. With your host, Rick. Rick Franchel. Franchel. Rick Franchel. <laughs> Sorry, I'm new here. Uh, the paper was a little crumpled. I could not read it. Oh, look at this. The last thing I read was the about the author. One minute left in book. We were only supposed to read the first one, right? Yeah. Great. <laughs> We're adults. <laughs> Time to read three books. Uh, Are you kidding me? Welcome We're, to... Yep. Fuck. Shh. No, you, no, it's, you go. It's your podcast. <laughs> you, you go. Uh, welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast that never sleeps. Uh, we talk YA genre fiction. Um, Are you I, sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just checking. You just don't sound that convinced. Uh, the dulcet tones that you're hearing is my guest co-host for the, I was going to say hour, but it is about 1 and 45 to 2. Uh, John Danforth Appel is here joining me, Kelly Nugent. I did not introduce myself, and this is why Lindsay always does the intro. Thank you for tuning in. Hello. Well, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm jo- John. <clears throat> Dan- uh, uh. <laughs> John, I had you pick the uh, book for this time because I, I listen, guys, this has been a fucking week. Today is zero day. It's we're zero day. Zero day. Day zero. Of, of, a, of a world where Donald Trump is going to be the president. So I you just got to give us a second. I think. Honestly. OK, yeah, I, I, I was recording a podcast a little while ago and this was like back in the days when I was young and carefree and didn't know that Donald Trump was going to be president and we were like joking about how the world was going to be like to shit and here we are yeah I'm sorry if this is going to be a somber episode (laughs) you guys oh this is going to be a fucking bummer this is going to be a real bum fest real real downer (laughs) (laughs) um John and I were we carpooled here uh, we were both very sad in the car. Mm-hmm. There's a little peek behind the curtain for you. I was, I was slash am hungover. Oh, fantastic! I, I did not go to work today because <laughs> I was hungover and crying randomly. Yeah. So you know, I and took. We'll a see if we can catch some of that oh, on yeah. air. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah, it's that good stuff. Um, I did ask John to um pick a uh YA book that kind of informed him or changed his life or something like that. And um, you chose The Tripods. The White Mountains, which is book one in the Tripod Trilogy series by uh, John Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. A pseudonym of Samuel Ude. Did you know that? I did. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like reading the about the author. I'm like, who is Samuel Ude? Because it's like he's a he's a British guy. And you're like, oh, yeah, John Christopher is like the most British name mm-hmm. ever. And then you like Samuel Ude. That does not sound like a British person. No. And then you get why he chose that pseudonym. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm reading it. And it says Samuel Ude, who was born in Lancashire, like, I don't even know how to say that, England. And I was like, I don't believe it. I don't believe that that man was born yeah, in England. It's, it's, an odd, it's an odd name for a British dude. Totally. Um, I really liked this book. Um, 
and we were kind of briefly touching on this in the car, that uh, there are a lot more corollaries to like what's kind of going on right now in sure. today's political climate with this book. Sure. Yeah. So um, do we sum it up? How does it? Yeah, we yeah. can. We summarize it. Yeah. So basically the tripod trilogy is um, or the, 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 the White Mountain slash the tripod trilogies are kind of about a world where it's, it's, it's post-apocalyptic uh, England um, slash Europe. Basically, we've reverted to like back to like a medieval slash agrarian society. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still like the ruin. There are still the ruins of, uh, you know, the cities that we used to live in. It, you know, at one point, the, the the characters basically walk through like a devastated Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, we're living in an agrarian medieval society. Um, and every oh, I forget what age is like 13. Yeah, they're about 13. It's like bar mitzvah age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like you become a man. You become a man or a woman. You get um, <laughs> so basically around the the time of your bar bar mitzvah, you <laughs> you go, uh, your 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 town or whatever has a little ceremony where. Oh, okay, so we have to explain. I'm so bad at summing things up. Okay. I will do it all out of order. Okay, so, so do you want me to try and yes, take a please. whack at oh, it? Oh yeah. Okay. Um. So the book kind of opens. I I actually didn't know anything about this book. Or what it was about, or anything like I tripods. I was like, I guess it's sci-fi, and it involves tripods. But I did not know like the extent of, uh, like what time period is supposed to have taken mm-hmm. place in. And so this is a very like post, post, post apocalyptic yeah. world. Um, and basically in this world, when you're about thirteen, um, you go through this thing called the capping ceremony, and. I did not know what this was. I was like, you wear a hat? Like, what <laughs> What happens? You get a fedora. It is. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> um, you also get a really cool wallet chain. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real dystopia. Just yeah. a bunch of people walking around with fedoras and wallet chains. Like, it's 1997. <laughs> um, and so basically, like, the, the book paints this, like, very bucolic, like, countryside mm-hmm. lifestyle, which was, like, it felt like a... Who the fuck is that guy that paints all those things? Oh, are you talking about like a thousand points of light, dude? Yeah. The, Who is that guy? Oh, God. Oh, uh, Thomas Kincaid. Thomas Kincaid. It feels like a Thomas Kincaid yeah. painting. Like they're yeah. in this Thomas Kincaid painting. Um, and they speak of like these tripods, but in a very like reverent slash fearful way and vague way. Right, right. So the tripods are basically these giant. I mean, imagine like a UFO on three legs mm-hmm. and, and giant. And mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they, in this town, they only come to the town for every capping ceremony where they take the kid, take the kid away. Then the kid comes back with a little metal disc on the top of their head, like right at the crown of your head. Mm-hmm. Right. And that basically is your transition into becoming an adult in this society. And they don't know what's in the tripod. They don't know what the tripods really are. They just know that like they've just incorporated them into their uh, society and rituals and stuff like that. And it's a it's it's a celebratory thing when you get capped yeah and they don't really like there's um at least in this first village there is like vague knowledge of a past yeah um but it's somehow ingrained in the adults who have been capped to not speak of it and to also not speak of what's inside the tripods Mm -hmm. like it's a very like reverent very secretive yeah journey yeah i mean it's 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 like it, it the 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 closest corollary corollary that I can think of, like in terms of like YA fiction, and maybe just because it's super popular, is like the Hunger Games. Yeah, there's like very much that similar kind of vibe of like, like post apocalyptic 
we're kind of reverted back to, you know, the pre-industrial society. Mm -hmm. Um, there are these outside forces that are like kind of oppressing us that we don't talk about. It's not as like, um, it's very, it's very, it's like much more British like yes. way of like oppressing people where it's like, well, we just like keep to ourselves and we don't bring, make, make trouble and we don't yeah. talk about things that make us uncomfortable. Whereas like the, like Hunger Games is like the evil dictator, like will strike you down if you yeah. like, it, it's like a very British version of a dystopia, I think. Totally. Actually. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about Hunger Games too, how it's like, um, it's aired on TV and it's like this thing that people right. watch and right. it's, right. uh, that's like a, such an American yeah. thing to watch. Yeah. It's very much about like the media and yeah. stuff like that. And this is like, this is really very secretive. Yeah. Yeah. And in this, basically the implication is the capping is mind control, right? Yeah. It, you come back, you, you, you know, you're not really super changed in any way. You're not like, um, a completely different person, but you, you've basically been mind controlled into like not asking questions to not thinking mm -hmm. critically into just, you know, doing whatever, whatever it is that that town or society needs you to do, like farming or whatever. Yeah. And it kind of seems like I, I haven't read the other two books, so I don't know the extent of because we haven't really interacted in depth with any capped people right. except for that little girl. Right. But it kind of yeah. reminds me of like, did you ever play Dragon Age Inquisition? Um, no, not or, I, or I, any I'm of the Dragon Age games. No, I know of it, but I'm okay. not. I'm not familiar. Yeah. Well, there's like this thing that they do to mages that like are too emotional and like mm. are seen as a danger, right? Which is like they strip them of. So yeah. they they understand. They're like, oh, I used to like animals. Like I don't really know why I did, but like I did. Yeah. But they still can function and like do what's expected of them. So yeah, I mean, again, it's a very British so dystopia British. where it's like, I mean the. The, the stereotype about Brits is that they're not super emotional. They're not, you know, like they, they're they're very polite. Like they don't mm -hmm. like to like bring up, um, you know, stuff that makes you uncomfortable. And in this mm -hmm. world, there's like that. The logical extension of that is that like people have been mind controlled into not asking questions, into not thinking critically, into not doing anything that would upset the the natural balance and the mm -hmm. natural order. And that's what our main character Will is kind of rebelling against. Right. Is that, I mean, it's honestly, I think not to be too critical, but one of the faults of the book is that I didn't really, his turn from like, like I'm just a kid and I don't really know what capping is to like, I don't want to be capped is so It was sudden. so quick. It's it was so, so quick. And it's like, I think maybe that's just a feature of like this book being written in the 1960s. Uh-huh. But like, do we sum it up? Should we talk about what Yeah. Happened? Yeah. So basically what happens is there's this subset of people who get capped where the capping doesn't take, the vagrants. Mm -hmm. So you end up like- uh basically wandering from town to town, um, kind of crazy. Uh, basically just imagine like kind of a vagrant homeless person who's not all there. And yeah. that, that's what the capping does. Um, and so this one of these dudes comes to town and Will meets him, and who our main character, Will, is like 13 years old, very much like standard everyman protagonist. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, he's. I did like that he was a little bit unlikable. Yeah, he is. He, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of a dick and he's yeah. kind of like selfish and um competitive with yeah. his friends, which I I did I liked that. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's another interesting thing in that like the it's he's he's got these yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting in that like his emotions are very he's like he's a fucking kid. So he's yeah. like petty and jealous mm -hmm. and like acts impulsively and without thinking, you know, mm -hmm. which I guess could explain his turn. But yeah, he meets this like this vagrant Ozymandias Oz, yeah Ozymandias um, who basically tells him hey look there are these there's this resistance movement of uncapped people in the White Mountains which is essentially I think 
the Alps, right? I feel like that's where it was. Yeah, I think it's, it's very to be tall the Alps. mountains. Yeah, white tall mountains. Yeah, and, and like through in, uh, basically south of France or like or wherever the Alps are, Italy. So I don't know. Swiss Alps. Swiss Alps. Yeah. Swiss Switzerland. Swiss Swiss <laughs> One, two, three. three. Swiss Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, yeah. And they, and then he's kind of like, so this guy, first of all, I did not, I don't know why they thought that he was an, a vagrant because when he's like, um, he was speaking nonsense. He was not speaking nonsense. He right. was just talking he was like reading poetry yeah he was reading poetry which i guess if you don't have it doesn't seem like these people have culture of their own aside from yeah reverence to the tripods yeah there doesn't seem to be like a religion or or art or anything like that they they have like songs but they don't have any kind of like culture which is really Mm -hmm. that's really like fascinating Mm -hmm. like i didn't think about that i mean which could be a byproduct of the capping you know yeah well yeah because they don't have any desire to create for themselves Mm -hmm. basically um but yeah, I mean, I guess, so I guess he'd seem kind of crazy, but I, I was kind of like, come on, this guy's not a fucking vagrant. Like the first yeah. second that he's like, boy, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> who's yeah. this guy? So Ozymandias, I'm not sure how you say that name. I think I'm saying it right. You are. Great. Thanks, John. This is why you're here. We just did thumbs up. We did. Um, for, for the v- or the listeners. For the listeners. double thumbs he, up. He did one, I did two, then he just did two. Yeah. Um, and now you're caught up. Um. But yeah, so Ozymandias is like, listen, you guys got to go. I can't take you. Or he's like, you got to go because there isn't two yet. Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, he's like, they're going to love you. Go to the White Mountains because you have something special, kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting to talk about this book in the context of YA tropes and archetypes. Chosen and, one. For chosen, sure. chosen one. Yeah. It's very, it's like, it's, it's, the chosen one is like a literature archetype that goes back thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of years you know but it's very prevalent in ya especially today i think yes too, i mean harry potter yeah, right uh yeah. hunger games like those ones yeah where someone is yeah and it's like this is kind of the like the not proto version of that but the less kind of like like you don't i feel like when you with harry potter and katniss like that special thing is meant to be like oh i de- identify with that because like i don't feel special but like you know, if the world were to tell me I'm special, that would be so great. Mm -hmm. You know, with this, it's like, he's only special in that, like, he isn't, I mean, it's weird because he's not that special. He's just, is a little curious is all, you know? And like, I think he's just a beneficiary of like, good timing. Yeah, right place, right time. Because like the kid, his friend right before was like, Dude, I do not want to be capped. I want to be a vagrant. Right. Like, I hope it doesn't stick. Right, his cousin. Yeah, Yeah, his cousin, his, that he adores. Yeah. And it's like right after this kid is capped and then he's like, I'm a man now. Like, yeah. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Right after that happens, then Ozymandias comes and Will is the one that he talks to. Mm-hmm. So I think that also is kind of, it's like a luck thing. It's like mm-hmm. you're, he was lucky. And fucking Will is like so selfish because yeah. his cousin is like about his age, his other cousin. His other cousin who doesn't get along bully with cousin. Henry. Yeah. And he's like, can you think of anyone else that would want to like run away to the White Mountains? He's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got this other cousin, Henry, who like he does not get along with. Um, and he, the Henry kid is like kind of a jerk, but they yeah. have this like frenemy type relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that there are some things that happen. Like, it's interesting because this is in first person. Um, it is, right? Or is it I think it's... in third person, just Will's perspective? Uh. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a first person. It is first person. Yeah. So like, it's interesting that like we do learn. I think this book does a great job of like showing that other characters are worth symp- like are should garner your sympathy, but like Will doesn't feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like Henry, where his like mom fucking dies. Yeah. Of some long illness. And his dad just like doesn't want him. Yeah, and doesn't want to take care of him. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Yeah. And Will's just like, mm, now I have to share a room with him. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, how am I going to escape? Yeah, fucking wet blanket. Henry's here. Yeah, but it's very much that kid. I mean, like, if you, it's very much that kid like mentality of mm-hmm. like competing for resources. Essentially, like, yeah, I'm an only child, but I can imagine like if you know, like my parents had a baby at some point, like I would be like very much like mm, now I got to deal with this baby. Like, yeah. Like, what if there's not enough time for me, you know, type of deal? Yeah. I mean, I definitely relate to that yeah, because sure, I am an older yeah. child. So, yeah. yeah, I have a younger sister. And it definitely, like, at, when you're a kid, kids are selfish. Like, oh, yeah. There are, when I see kids that are, like, generous to their younger siblings, I'm shocked because I was so, I just didn't want to share anything with my sister. And I think, <laughs> if we're going to get into therapy Let's session. Do it. Um I think that was because, you know, my um my mom like very much favored my younger sister mm-hmm. aggressively and um would always be like, "Oh, well you should give that to Denise. Well you should do this for Denise." And so a lot of times I was just like, "God, give me something." And so like I would be really precious with my yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's so interesting to me as an only child because the stereotype is that only children like can't share. They don't like to share and all uh-huh. that stuff. And it's like, actually, I think the opposite is true because I didn't have to compete for resources, right? right. I love to share. I'll share all the time. <laughs> I don't give a sh- I love to share. I love it because it's like, for me, it's like a, it's a way to show intimacy. It's a way yeah. to show, you know, connection and friendship and stuff like that. But I've definitely like had friends or girlfriends or whatever who, who had siblings and where it's like, if, if they don't feel like they have theirs, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. then they get very stressed out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like, if you grew up where like maybe someone was taking your shit or half your stuff, or like you didn't always get what you wanted, mm-hmm. you know, then that process of sharing can become very, I don't want to say traumatic, but like stressful, let's say, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So it's like, I think the opposite is is true. You know? <laughs> it's so much easier for me to share just cause like I'm used to always having everything you know yeah so it's like no i can go without you know and stuff like that i mean i I would say that it's probably like well as long as i get it you know yeah (laughs) i'm fine yeah yeah um but yeah i mean this i felt like this book captured that childlike selfishness a lot because kids i think are inherently really selfish and like i even remember growing up and like looking back on the ideas that i had and ideals that i had where i'm like you just could not like I would like say to my younger self, like you could not see yourself in anyone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you wanted to be the only yeah. thing. Yeah. So I thought this I liked that this book was like written for kids of that age and like kind of was like, look, you guys are kind of not awesome. And it takes a lot to get you to become adults. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting about this book is that you compare it to something like The Hunger. Like, I'm just going to keep coming back to that because I, I don't read a lot of YA, but I did read like mm-hmm. the, that. I read like some of Harry Potter and stuff like that. Um, I've like worked on the marketing for a lot of YA movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I feel like I have like a general understanding. 
And like you compare this book to like Modern Way, not a lot happens in this book. No, not nothing a lot. happens. Nothing happens. But you're tracking this and kid. So much is skipped. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I mean, a we spent lot of things are skipped. Months in one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it's 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 really a character piece more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're with this this kid, and he's, you know, he's basically becoming a man or self actualized, really, mm-hmm. in an alternative way than society allows. And so that's really kind of the journey you're on is this dude, this kid learning to grow up. Like, you know, at one point he's worried that his cousin and this other guy, Beanpole, that they've picked up mm-hmm. are better friends than they are yeah. with him. And that's like, God, I mean, I fucking feel that today. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, who yeah. doesn't feel that? But there's a point where he leaves them and then comes back and he's like, in his head, he's like, I don't even care about that anymore. Yeah. I just want to like be with them. And I think that's kind of the the journey that we're really going on here is that like, what does it mean to try and forge your own way when society is like so rigid to to the point where like it could cost you your life? You yeah, know, to do anything differently. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's like very much more in, very internal focus, internally focused rather than yes, plot focused or you know. Yeah, like and it, it yes, and it, it, yeah, it's definitely like much more of a character examination than like an epic journey, right. even though like generally speaking, some of the aspects of an epic journey are there. Like there's like this huge like evil force that yeah. like our underdog is trying, like he- it's basically him and two kids versus like the world. Yeah. Um, which is a huge idea, but we don't even really get to that. And I, and I, I didn't feel cheated out no. of that because it was a really enjoyable ride. So basically, so he's like, all right, great Osmandius, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the White Mountains. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back to his house and he's like, holy fuck, I'm sharing a bedroom with fucking Henry. And because now he's like in our house. So I'm just going to like I hide my shit in this woodshed or wherever he hides it. Yeah, Where does yeah. he hide it? Oh, in the I, cave. I, yeah, in right, J- right. J- John's oh, cave. Oh, in the, yeah, his, yeah, in like the little hangout spot. Yeah, so he's, he's got this little hangout spot that he's used to hang oh, out Oh, it's with. like, it's like a, it's, it's the ruins of like a, of a, like, power station yeah because right? there's like all those danger voltage signs yeah and, and they're like, like we yeah. didn't know what that was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like okay i'm gonna just hide my shit there i've got like a little bit of food and clothes mm-hmm. and of course henry hears him yeah and follows him yeah and he and 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 i felt like henry i really felt for henry at the beginning when he's like i i don't have anything here yeah. like i just want to go away with you and he doesn't know his plan but he's like this is better. This unknown is better than the capping. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like interesting to have Henry be so sympathetic at the beginning. Yeah. Um. So then they're like, okay, great. We're going to leave. And it's interesting too. I, I really liked that like Will's plan that he has where he's like, we're going to travel by night. We're going to like do this thing. He admits later. He's like, that wasn't the most. <laughs> yeah. Like that wasn't the greatest plan. Henry might've been a little bit smarter about this plan. Because Henry was like, no, we should go during the day because, like, we can't see at night. We're moving so slow. Right, 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 right. Um, and then how do they meet Beanpole? Basically, so they uh, – Ozymandias basically tells him, like, all right, you're going to go on this boat. Right. It's operated by, like, the rebels or whatever. Like, like, But, like, even that is, like, too – that's, like, not what he says. It's, like, it's really tempting to, like, view this book in the shadow, like, again, of something like The Hunger Games just mm-hmm. because The Hunger Games t- kind of does – I would not be surprised if she had read this and then wrote yeah. it. But like all these tropes are like done ten, times 10 in, in YA fiction now. But mm-hmm. basically they they get on this boat by like a sympathetic boat captain or whatever that takes them to basically what's France. 
cool. Yeah. But in the in the in the book, they're just like they speak a different language. And like one of the cool things that I think is really funny is that like if you get capped in a region where they speak a different language than you, then it it like basically just turns you crazy because the cap communicates in in that the yeah. language. So it's like there's all these like people wandering around apparently who are who are like capped in a different language and they're nuts. Yeah, you know? I liked that. That was so funny. Um, but basically, so they're going to make their way through through France. Um, and they oh, this is how it happens. So they they go they go on the boat. They oh, get off the right. boat. As soon as they get off the boat, they get attacked by these dudes <laughs> instantly. Instantly, uh, these like these adults who throw them in like a a not a not jail, but so like, it's like a dungeon, like type a place. cellar type thing. Yeah. And they get they get rescued, right? By so basically, yeah. So they're they're being like yelled at by these guys that don't speak English, right? right. And they're just like, I don't know, like they don't want to say anything because they were instructed by that man, right. don't speak to anyone, don't let them know you don't know their language because they will just cap you. Yeah. Um, just like it's it's common for like young boys to be running around, so just like don't right. don't say anything and just be quiet. Yeah. And so when they're caught, they don't say anything, but they realize that there's this one kid who's wearing glasses and they don't know what glasses are. So yeah. he's like, right. there are, like yeah. these things on his face. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the book where it's like describing things that like, as if like describing modern things, but like not in a familiar way. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And I think it's artfully done. Like I yeah. think he does, it's not too ham-fisted. No, there were no. a couple times where I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the idea that, that this character made his own glasses because that's how he describes them yeah Yeah. he's just like so smart yeah this kid is really smart yeah so beanpole uh is this kid this french kid um who wears glasses who then comes up to them and says in english like come on we're gonna go because he's like i want on board with whatever you're doing yeah and they're like cool okay here's the plan we're gonna go to the white mountains and not be capped and we're gonna go be free and i think there also is like this is something that will kind of grapples with throughout the entire book is like the cost of being free yeah um where you're like toiling and fighting and just like basically in hell but you're free or you like buy into the shit right yeah yeah i mean that's that is yeah that contrast between what freedom means versus what not freedom means and like we kind of get both sides of the equation and like Mm -hmm. at at times freedom looks very attractive and at times the like Say enslavement looks like very attractive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The indoctrination. Indo- yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So let's just, so basically they meet this kid, Beanpole. They call him Beanpole because they can't really understand what his name is. It's Jean Paul. Yeah. Like, so Jean Paul. Beanpole. I, I, well, yeah. okay. No, there was a joke in there that I was kind of like, Henry, good God. When <laughs> yeah. they're like, he says Jean Paul, and they think he's saying something pole. I forgot what right. it is. Right. And he's a tall, skinny kid. Right, right. And Henry goes, more like beanpole. Yeah. And then they laugh. And then John Paul kind of gets it. And he's like, okay, I get yeah, it. And then yeah. they call him that from then on. Yeah. What What was... <laughs> so the thing about this this kid that's like super funny, and you see this character in a lot of this type of story where they're like so smart, they're inventing things that have... Like, mm-hmm. like he like basically theorizes that he can make a steam engine, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so... It, what is the what is the the term that they keep calling the steam engine? Schwan, some, I, I couldn't I couldn't I did not understand what that word was. It was like something shut. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to what it was actually supposed to be. Yeah. It might have just been like a name that 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 he made up. It's like basically carriages. But yeah. oh, Sean something, right? Or it's like CH. Yeah, I mean maybe it? it's like a French word that might be. I don't know French. Um 
I'm just like skimming through this book. Yeah. So anyway, they they hang out with Beanpole. They kind of like we get a lot of scenes of them kind of making their way south. They go through. They discover Paris, which is just completely bombed out. Yeah. They go in the Paris subway and they they find grenades. Um, yeah. You know. So basically, the implication is that the tripods, obviously, they're aliens and they came and they invaded our world and then they won. And there are all these like ruins from when they fucked up our cities. And you most know. humans are dead. Most humans are dead. Yeah, yeah. And these ones are just kept around to like do their bidding. Yeah, basically. we don't really know why. I think yeah, that's, I, if I remember, that's something we find out in the later. Books. Okay, because yeah. there is like talk of there are some humans like toiling away underground, mm-hmm. like mining something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're basically just like these cogs in this mm-hmm. machine. Yeah. Um, and you're just. Everyone is basically completely blind to like the truth of the matter because it's, I guess, been so many generations of humans that like, I think it actually might be less time than we think. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's only about three or four generations. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, like maybe their grandparents or great grandparents were yeah. alive, you know, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's not that much time. Yeah. yeah. But the like, dece- or the, yeah, the decelerization of decelerization. Decelerization of like society. Oh yeah, yeah has yeah. like De- been so evolution or whatever. Yeah, 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 has been so like amped because yeah. of the capping process. Right, and that's yeah, that's like a thing too. Is that like theoretically, people who were alive that time might not even remember it because of the cap. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, Sean Fair, isn't that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. I've no. What yeah, is the, that? The, the steam engines. Yeah, that he, Sean Fair. It's like well, what they yeah. refer to as what they call their cars and stuff like that. But what they had, because w- what they know it as is those like ch- trains on tracks, but they have horses in the front. Oh yeah. That are pulling. Cause remember they go on a train at one point. Yeah. So like throughout their journey to the white mountains, they do all kinds of stuff. They go on these trains. They, that like are pulled by horses. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Oh, and a, an interesting thing we see about bean pole, uh, which you kind of reminded me is that, um, He's one of those characters that's like so smart that it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, because the pursuit of of some kind of, of truth knowledge. of knowledge yeah, yeah. is is everything else falls away. Yeah. Do you watch Adventure Time? No, I don't. Okay, yeah. Well, for any listeners that do, he reminds me of Princess Bubblegum. So that's just a little hint for for you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like basically, he almost blows them up the first time they discover the grenades and he's completely yeah non-fluffed he's it's just al- like yeah. okay it's almost sociopathic like he it, is it, kind it, of it is it's like he definitely does not have a lot of empathy or like he's or, for sure like asperger's yeah, or something. yeah he's got yeah. some kind of situation yeah but he because he does feel i think some sense of loyalty towards the other two boys yeah um and henry kind of just becomes kind of friends with him and that's where we kind of see throughout this journey that like william is kind of like Oh, like they're kind of like it used to be me and Beanpole and then Henry, but I guess now it's shifted yeah. and they have more in common and they're kind of teaming up against me and he'll kind of like go and pout. Yeah. He's very broody. <laughs> very, very broody. Um, he's a real, a real teen creep. Ah, yeah. here we go. You Titular to, line. You have to say the name of the episode. Yeah. You have to use the phrase teen creep in every episode. And you have right? to use it within the first 35 minutes and you made it by three minutes. Oh, so thank, thank goodness. God. Um, or we have to shut down the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we just have to end. <laughs> um, and so they're, they're like traveling, traveling, traveling. 
then Will starts to feel sick. Mm-hmm. And they just attribute his behavior to brooding. Like, they're just like, Ugh, he's like yeah. pouting again. What a little bitch. I know. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, so sick. <laughs> yeah. And then he like passes out at some yeah. point because he's on death's door. Right, right. Because um, they're also like, they've run out of food. They're, they're raiding they're eating, farms like, and shit. They're eating like stinky onions that they find. Yeah, yeah. Like, Turnips and stuff Yeah, like, like that. stuff that's like rotting. Yeah. And it was so old. Like they were like saying, it was from last year's harvest. I was like, yeah. what? Sick. I mean, that sucks. That's the price of freedom. You yeah. eat rotten onions. Right. I mean, and that's the thing that you think about. It's like, oh my God, like you're traveling all day. The amount of calories you need on like mm-hmm. just extra, like you just, you're, you're running such a calorie deficit the entire mm-hmm. time that like you're going to get sick. Yeah. Like there's just, you just have to be so strategic about that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Totally. Know? The amount of like physical turmoil that these three are going through mm-hmm. I think is such a um, strong statement about like what it's like to be like one of a few in a vocal minority when you feel like everybody else has kind of like drank the Kool-Aid. Right. And I think that's kind of like a feeling that we're feeling right now where we're yeah. kind of just like, God, you would leave us to this. Yeah. Um, and I think that a more <laughs> on the head uh, analogy to what's going on right now takes place when he goes to see the like, um, when when he's taken because he's right. so sick to the like the aristocrats house. Yeah, yeah. They basically uh, end up in the graces of this like local lord, right? That's how I would describe yeah, it. Yeah, and the wife of the lord is like known for being very generous. Yeah, and she ch- and charitable. Yeah, and in this this region or whatever, it's like not uncommon for boys to be off adventuring by themselves right. and stuff. So they get taken in. They eventually like we're we're, we're there for like a while, right? They kind of mm-hmm. like. They learn French, you know, um, mm-hmm. what's Henry and Beanpole, basically, they don't really get ingratiate themselves too much with the Lord and lady and their, what was the name of the daughter? Like the princess essentially, right? Yeah. Um, well, yes. Uh, what is her name? Uh, uh, I almost said Eloise. It's not Eloise. It's, it is Eloise. Oh, Eloise. Okay. Yeah. So she, yeah. Lord, Sir Jeffries, the Lord of the Manor. Um, and basically, uh, Will becomes very close to Eloise, his daughter, you know, and stuff like that. Was there, El- Eloise is the girl. Yeah, the, the yeah. daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and Henry and Beanpole, like, kind of, like, get even farther away mm-hmm. from him because they're not really, they're, they're... They're, like, in this, with the servants. They're, like, yeah. in a stable. Yeah, they're basically in the stable. And, like, I think this whole, this whole se- sequence basically is leading up to a capping ceremony that would happen mm-hmm. for Will, right? And he has to decide whether he wants to stay in this, like, society that's, like, actually pretty great. Yeah. Like, everyone seems really happy. He's, like, he's learned French, so if it, he got capped, it would be fine. He could live like a, like, royalty, you know, mm-hmm. um, with this this girl, Eloise, who is pretty into him, it seems. Mm-hmm. You know? She's into him, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so he has to kind of, like, it, it's basically that kind of, like, uh, moment where the character is like in the you know like in paradise and they have to discuss they have to embrace this like perfect world that comes at the cost of freedom or whether like you know he wants to remain true to the mission and and like be like free but probably starving and sick you Mm -hmm. know and stuff like that yeah yeah and the uh as he's staying there longer the um duchess or whoever she is the the mom um like takes him aside and is like if you want to stay here like you can be here 
And I think the whole reason that they're there for so long is that the boys have decided that if all three of them were to leave, right. they have to do it like during the hullabaloo of capping day. Right. So they're going to wait until that day. And um, uh, Will gets very, I mean, he's very enthralled with this, with entranced with this life. Um, and he kind of even says, as he's thinking about it, that like all of that suffering that that he thinks he would have gone through had he been capped and like, and then that like weird complacency stuff seems so far away because that's a different type of suffering than this capping here. Um, and I think that that's like uh, something that a lot of people, <laughs> not to talk about this election, but I will, um, when they say like, I don't see how people don't feel safe with Trump. Right. When it's like, yeah, if you live in a like very sheltered place and you're a white, straight, cisgendered person and you just have been living and, and, and your biggest concern is like, you know, like, what am I going to eat for lunch today? Like that, you don't understand someone else's suffering because that starts to seem so far away and so other. And so like you start to believe like he, he starts to buy into the fact that like no one is suffering. Like he's like, eh, maybe it'll be OK if right. I just stay here. Yeah. Um, And when that starts to feel so far away it's very easy for him to buy into like, okay, I'll just stay here. I'll just be um, capped and it'll be okay. Like I'll be here with Eloise and she seems fine. And it's only when they decide who's going to be the queen and they pick Eloise. Right. And she's got to go. She's got to go. So they're going to marry her off to another lord, to another, to a prince or a lord in some other castle yeah. some somewhere else. Yeah. And then she says like, I have to go serve the tripods. Right forever and right. she's thrilled like he like the look on her face of being thrilled by this oh that's what it is the, sorry it's it's nothing not they take her, up. her off she they're, goes she's just, she's just gonna go with the tripods yeah and like that i think kind of snaps him out of it right mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing with like you only really understand the dangers of something when it happens to someone you know right or and so he's like he doesn't see those people that he left in his village as people he knows anymore because that's so far away. Right. And like to, to have been dealing with Eloise like on and on and on and on. She seemed so normal and like she forgave him even though he did that horrible faux pas of pulling off her scarf. Yeah. Her um, head wrap to yeah. reveal that she was capped. And mm -hmm. I think that was also a really surprised thing too is that I think there's something really interesting in this book in that like the book doesn't want you to feel bad for capped people. Because mm -hmm. I, I think the thing that I kind of took away from it, you can tell me what you think, is I think you're supposed to see them as enemies mm. because they're they're unfree people. Right. And even if they're not bad people, they're still your enemy because they can still like turn will in. They can still mm -hmm. cap will. There's there are these enemies. They're people who have not like experienced like self-actualization. So they can't help you. And so like. I think this whole sequence with Will in the, like the castle and stuff is Will forgetting the danger that these people pose. To yeah, him, you know, and then realizing that that Eloise has been capped because he like playfully like takes off her head wrap and we see her head. She's got the the cap on it, and he's realizing like, oh no, like these are not my allies. These are not you know interesting people that can like. There's there it's it is interesting because it is like I feel like. The temptation or like the way that people would traditionally write something like this where it's just like it's like oh we have to have sympathy for the cat people we like need to free the capped people mm -hmm. and it's like no these people are gone like yeah they're like know? willfully yeah 
indoctrinated. Yeah, like you can't save them. You can only get away from them, you know? Interesting. I think, I mean, I think that's in there. I I had a different interpretation of what it was. Like of, of because she, because she and the Lord and Lady seemed to be pretty like fully actualized people. Like they seemed to be pretty, like they weren't as one note as like his parents in that right, village were. sure. Um, and the way that I interpreted it was like, um, that it's not just black and white. Like it's not just them and us. Like, these people are people that did you read that article that was like this liberal person wrote like all of the like desires and wants and justifications of like from the perspective of a Trump supporter No, where it's like it's still this is a this is basically from what I maybe this is just because I read that article recently but what I got from this um, book was that like these people still have like the core desires and like beliefs pushing what they're doing are still valid, but it's like the means by which they're trying to get sure. them are totally misguided. So like everybody wants security. Everybody wants like safety. Everybody wants um, like food if you yeah, can get down I mean, to it. Yeah. But um, I think because Eloise was a girl he got along with, was friends with, um, I can definitely see like that it's like, oh, this person's not your friend. But I also saw it as like it's they're not just these like dumb, like like witless, spineless people that are just being um tricked by these Yeah, they're certainly humanized. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like I think it's when that when that happened when he was like, Oh shit, she's capped. And when she says like, like, I'm so happy to be joining like the the joy in her eyes when she's like, I'm so happy to be joining the tripods. Right, it's like ecstatic, like yeah. Yeah. And I think that was like so 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 sad and more sad because it's like i thought you would have known better like i thought like you are smart like why aren't like yeah well yeah i mean and i think that's the thing is that like the realization is like these people can be as good as they want they're still capped like yeah. you know they're still yeah. like so they're still indoctrinated yeah, that's and the problem and their their actions their behavior their feelings are not their own like you know mm-hmm. it's like very much like like you can't trust them you know you don't know who they are there's no i mean in 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 a lot of ways the whole like journey of like will deciding who he is and what he's about is like he's that's the hard way right because mm-hmm. the cap will just tell you you know it'll tell you who yes. you are where you fit what you're about you mm-hmm. know and stuff and stuff like that which is very much a like you know reminds me of like kind of like 1984 like that yeah. style of dystopia where like everyone's a cog and everyone has a place in the society and it's very top down you know and like yeah and know. it's definitely something that um was like a a big part of society in England at that time because it was a very like class based system. Sure, yeah, and not a lot of mobility. Yeah, uh, up and down. So like that is totally like you are born like a merchant's son and you will be, live a merchant's son and you'll die a merchant's yeah. son. Um, you have to remember too, England did rationing after World War Two for almost ten years. Yeah, so like they were living in a post like apocalyptic like yeah. landscape. You know, for a while, and, like mm-hmm. World War Two, like fucked them up, and we like forget that because it didn't yeah. happen on because it shores. didn't happen for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's someone like, else's problem. So it's like this is kind of like this is also really interesting too because I think like it's very the the utopian like the utopian ideal of like people going back to the land is like very attractive, and you find that a lot in like you know both fascist and like socialist notions of utopia and stuff like this. And what Christopher is John Christopher has done is like kind of say like mm, that's a mirage like yeah. you know like you can't 
like the only way this can exist is if there's some kind of social conditioning and and like it's so it's very subtle like mm-hmm. i don't know i i don't know enough about like 1960s british politics or whatever <laughs> to really like draw the line and be, mm, this is like about the labor party you know or whatever but like there is this kind of like implicit critique of like individual freedom versus collective freedom you know mm-hmm. and stuff like that which is like pretty antithetical to like british stuff but i mean i don't know it, it's kind of the extent of my like ability to read this within a social like historical context yeah. i would that your um point about the like fetishization of like agricultural life um was really interesting because it's like i mean you see that in like cults yeah. like you see that in like where people are trying to like start over you just give people these like menial tasks yeah. and then there's like this puppet master that's like okay well like actually we're going to like you know yeah, I mean, you see it with Donald Trump. The idea yeah. that 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 uh, industrial jobs are coming back to America mm-hmm. is fucking insane. Yeah, that's not like it's just insane. Like, I mean, no one wants to work in a factory anymore. Like, especially under no, Trump's no America, no one wants to fucking work in a factory. Where you're not going to get, you know, like the worker, like the the conditions that are the worker, like the rights you need as a worker to like be able to thrive and to create a, like a new middle class. Like, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. But like you see it a lot. Like, I mean, well, yeah, you can't reap all the benefits that are promised with like bringing fat. Like, okay, you can't promise like all of this like income and boost the economy when you like make when when you protect the worker in a factory. Right. Yeah. Those those factory jobs were only great because we had fucking unions to like make sure people got paid not only a living wage, but like. Like a, a, a like a wage where you could thrive and you could buy yeah. a house, you know. That American like, dream isn't possible yeah. without a union. And it's, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like people in the 1900s were not like so grateful to have industrial jobs. No, people was were a, fucking dying. It was and, a nightmare. And it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, like we had like you know, like people shit on communism, but we have a fucking two day weekend because of communism. We have a 40 <laughs> hour work week. We like it's you know back when. The, <laughs> Yeah. So it's like it's it's there tends to be like and and I think I mean, I don't know if this was intentional, um, but and I start to feel this way myself sometimes when I get overwhelmed where it's like, God, I just want to run away and like live on a farm. Yeah. Like, I just want to like have that be my only, uh, you know, my only concerns are like tilling the earth. Yeah. And I think everybody is drawn to that simplicity sometimes. Of course. And when people reimagine like this, like wonderful new world, that is like give people a like rote task that they can do over and over again. Um, and I think that kind of breeds complicity because there isn't, there is no culture in this place. Right. Like we just said, like there's no, like they have songs. Okay. They have songs and they have like feasts, but the only culture seems to be. But everything's built around. The the tripods. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, running away from that. And and basically like, doing anything very counterculture, you can feel very alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that really is done well in this book with yeah. Will and his friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it is interesting that like the 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 their their relationship to the earth, not just like in terms of like the agrarian like society that they're escaping, but the fact that they're constantly hungry. They're constantly having to like search for food. They're they're tripping. They're like the landscape is like, even though it's like whatever. Like it's mm-hmm. not it's not like Mordor. It's not like volcanoes yeah. with like lava everywhere. It's just the earth. It's just like, it's like Tamriel. Yeah. They're like running around. Yeah. It's just it's still very <laughs> adversar- adversarial. It's you know, like they almost it's like Christopher almost like paints more of a 
vivid picture of like the ruins. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's very much an appreciation for like city life, you mm-hmm. know, and for the industrial world and for like, you know, I mean, there's obviously like kind of a critique there and that it wasn't enough to protect us. Like that, mm-hmm. it, that, that in and of itself is its own mirage and its own, you know, um, uh, contains within, within itself its own like false like promises of like stability which is what every like post-apocalyptic book is about is that yeah. we're none of us are like none of us are as safe as as we think we are you know this all could collapse tomorrow yeah you know <laughs> yep <laughs> which it will you know uh, uh which it will yeah um but yeah like there it, it, i i was noticing um kind of in what you were saying and also in the book that it's like these cities weren't enough to save us but like also we as humans are so poorly evolved to actually deal with like the actual earth terrain. Sure. Um, and like the fact that they are like tripping over rocks and shit, like, yeah, yeah. like when they're walking around. Um, it's interesting how like, because most of our evolution now has taken place in our brains mm-hmm. where like we use our brains to fix tasks and we create, um, uh, you know, robots to do things for us. Yeah. We don't have to deal with a lot of the real world. And most humans are so ill-equipped to, like, walk around in fucking Angeles National Forest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's, like, kind of a sad a sad thing. Um, I, I actually, because I didn't know anything about this book, I was like, are they aliens? Or is it the, uh, what's that? Saint, s- s- uh, s- what? Where the, they become sentient and they don't need us anymore? What's oh, that? robots. Artificial intelligence? Yeah, but what's that called when they... Oh, the singularity? Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, was this the singularity? And I was like, wait, this is like 19 whatever, like yeah. 60. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's aliens. No, no, they're, they're definitely aliens. Okay, they're definitely, okay. But that's, Spoiler alert. But you, yeah, you, but you don't, like, you, I do remember vividly, the only scene I remember vividly from any of the other books, and it might have been the third book, is where Will, I'll say it at the end, I'll say it at the end, but we, yeah, we yeah, do yeah. meet one of the aliens. <gasps> so um, they're Okay, well, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. In a second. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, during this big ceremony, uh, Henry and Bean, well, Henry and Beanpole like leave before the ceremony. Yeah, because prior to that, Will's like, "You guys go," ahead. and he right. tries to like make himself a hero in this, right? He's like, because he at the time that he yeah. tells them has planned to just stay yeah, and be with Ellie. He's yeah. he's got he's drank the Kool Aid. He's mm-hmm. ready. And he's like, you guys should just go because, like, if I go with you, they'll look for me. And right. you guys should just go be safe. I'll sacrifice myself. And Henry sees through it right away. He's yeah. like, he, like, does this, like, big smile. And he's like, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. And Beanpole's kind of like, all right. And that doesn't really emote very much. Um, and then, so then they plan. They, I think they just leave, right? Mm-hmm. Don't they leave during yeah. the capping ceremony? They leave. And yeah. then, basically, it takes a little bit, but uh, uh, Will decides to leave. And, like, in this really, like, creepy scene he like leaves at night and and notices a tripod behind him and then like it grabs him and then he it like we just basically cuts a black and he wakes up in a field the next morning it's like huh and he's his horse is just like grazing yeah yeah he's like that was weird yeah then he he eventually catches up with them they welcome him back he kind of feels better about things Mm -hmm. you know it's like and then they realize so then they're basically going through the forest you know like um excuse me they then they start to notice that a tripod is kind of following them. Yeah. Right. And like, it's in like the distance mm-hmm. and like, and they're like, oh shit, this can't be a coincidence. Yeah. They're like, well, three of them at separate times follow them. Right. Or, right. Or maybe it's the same one three times, but they do get followed yeah. like three times. Yeah. And yeah, they're like, 
and the third time they're like, okay, there's no way it could have seen us. Like, right. how is it following? Right. Is it like they go smell? Into, yeah, they like go into the forest and they're like, all right, we'll be in the forest. Like, it can't see us. It can't track us. But then it tracks them anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then in like the creepiest part of the book, like <laughs> Will, Will is like changing his shirt and they notice he's got a cap underneath his armpit. Yeah. Right. And then the, the, the tripod that captured him must have put them there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. That's how they like found us yeah and so then of course they're like uh kind of got to cut it out yeah and it's like oh it's horrifying yeah can't believe this is in a kid's book because it's I, so gross it's very gross yeah although i was like <laughs> the instant they found it i was like cut that shit out yeah of course i was like cut it out yeah and they take so long to decide too because like uh henry's like mm, he's on the wrong you know he's like reporting to them which fine i mean he has no reason to think that will is loyal to them right um, but of course, Bean Pulse sees through it and he's like, mm, he wouldn't have like been so careless to let us see the cap if he were trying to hide it. Right. Um, but yeah, so then finally they're like, okay, we're going to cut this shit out. Bite on this leather belt. Yeah. Hold them down. And yeah. Bite the Hold belt. Hold them down. Yeah. Bite the belt. And we're going to have to cut like around because it's really embedded itself. Yeah. Like into your arm. Yeah, I guess it's like in his nervous system or something. I don't Holy know. Holy shit. Yeah, it's so gross. They pull it out and there's meat attached. Yeah, there's oh the oh. description of the flesh. They describe it as like the fleshy bits yeah, like, like that came bits. with it. And Some he's fleshy like, bits. Yeah, it's it's uh it's so vivid. It's like something out of a Cronenberg movie. It's yeah. some real fucking body horror. It's yeah, disgusting. It's so gross. Yeah. And so they're like dang- dangling it around. And what do they just throw it down? Or I think what do they they, do? they toss it away so that the tripod doesn't come. Away. I was like, find a river, dump it in yeah. the river, make it go. Yeah, but of course that doesn't matter because the second they cut it out, there's like, they don't realize this, but an alarm sounds to right. the tripod. Right, right. And then what? That is that the, the there's the bit with the grenade, right? Yeah. Like, is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, like they well no first so first that so then so they don't realize yet they're like okay like we're fine we got rid of the cap let's just keep going to the white mountains like we can see them they're like so close like let's just get there they're not that close mountains look close when they're very far away of course so they're like trekking like they're like clinging to the sides of these like barren mountains and they look down and there are like tripods just hoofing it yeah to them and they've got their beam lights on and then they like go they find this like boulder with some overhang, like a barely, barely a bit of overhang. And Beanpole's like, we've got to lay it under here until they leave. And I think it's like all night that they lay there and they can keep seeing like the beams mm-hmm. all around them for, mm-hmm. hours. they don't sleep. I'm, like that was like the most horrifying part yeah, to me. It was really scary. Yeah, yeah. It's really scary. Yeah. Um, but then they leave. Yeah. The tripods, they're like, mm, we can't find them. They leave. And then they start trekking again. Mm-hmm. And then that's when that one tripod comes and Beanpole suggests the grenades. Yeah. What, what I read this, I'm like, the ending is so foggy in my memory, but what is it? They throw it. They, they, like, how do they get the grenade at it? They, oh, okay. So, cause they held on to the grenades that they found in this yeah. Paris subway. Well, yeah. It's like pretty funny. Cause they're like, we've got these grenades and Henry's like, mm, mine were heavy. I just left them. And they're like, okay, great. Um, right. So now we have four. Yeah. Because um, they like originally had eight. And so Beanpole's like, all right, I'm going to take one. I'm just going to throw it. And he does. And he throws it at the leg of the tripod. It does nothing. Yeah. It's super loud and it's super blow up but nothing happens. And Will like pulls out the pin. And the next thing he realizes, he's grabbed around the waist and pulled up. Right. And he's like, oh my God, yes. I've been holding this this whole time. Ah, how long have I been holding it? I don't know. 
And he's like, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. And then an opening in the yep. side of the tripod. Yep. Okay, yeah. See, this is really interesting because have you seen um, Spielberg's uh, War of the Worlds? War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. That's the same yeah. thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that happens in the original War of the Worlds. I don't know. It's entirely possible. But like that very- I like, mean, that would be my first thought though. Yeah. To be on, like to be fair. Yeah, to put a grenade <laughs> through the fair, hole. Yeah, I would okay. just be like, if that shit opens up, I'm throwing a fucking grenade yeah. in there. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very similar. You know, Independence but, Day does the same thing. I mean, it thing. is, yeah, it yeah. is a little bit tricky because the imagery is so similar. Yeah, in that movie. I mean, it's. I wouldn't surprise me if, if I, I don't want to say ripped off because that's stupid, but like, it wouldn't surprise me if Spielberg was familiar with these books, mm-hmm. you know, or whoever wrote that was familiar with these books, or or that this was a thing that John Christopher was taking from someone else, you know what I mean? From H.G. Wells. Yeah, or from whatever pop, like mm-hmm. pulp science fiction, you know, was mm-hmm. written in the 30s, 40s, or 50s. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, I love pulp science fiction from the 30s and 40s. It's so weird. I have, it is weird. I have it's this collection so of, um, it's like the 30 or the 30 like best. I mean, they were all mm-hmm. submitted to some science fiction magazine um, from like the thirties and forties and they're weird. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Um, but very cool. Um, I love old science fiction. Um, but yeah, so they're like, so he throws it right into the gaping maw of mm-hmm. this tripod and it blows up. Mm-hmm. And doesn't he, how does he survive the fall? I don't remember. I don't remember. Like, yeah. I think that the, the, the like tripod arm like falls down and I think it's like, it's like just above where he's about to fall. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's just like wiggles out of it, but he's like so freaked out. He's like barely moving. I think they, the other two pull him out. Right. Um, and then this, this is the part that was like, I was like, why would you skip this? But whatever. I mean, I guess he had things he wanted to get to, but they like get out. And so they're like, okay, peace to this tripod. And of course, being Paul's like, I would have liked to study that. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, you know what? Let's just go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then they're they're like trekking, 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 and then they like, kind of see the tr- the mountains. And then it's cut to they're like, we've been here for a while. We live in this cave. Yeah. It's very cold. We don't have very much food. And he's like, but we're free. T B C to be continued. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's yeah. And it's and I think they've yeah. met. Bowl. Yeah, there I should. Think, be, I think there are people there. Yeah, right? so, so they're living there in this like in these hollowed out caves. Do they have guns? I have like a. I, I think they have some kind of weapons. They yeah. do have some kind of weapons. Yeah, because I just yeah. I have this distinct memory, and it might be the second or th- third book mm-hmm. where the cover one of the covers was them sitting on like a cliffside with like mm. their feet dangling over okay. and stuff like that. Like the it's like embedded inside the mountain, right? Yeah. Don't they live inside They live inside the mountain. Yeah. Is it supposed to be some kind of like army base or something? Yeah, it's I think, some I think kind it of is, base. Right? Yeah. It, it there is an indication, like he doesn't say it uh explicitly, but there is an indication that they are some kind of operation. Right. Um and they are inside of the hollowed out mountain because he does say like it's like 50 degrees in here. It's not as cold as it is out there yeah. because we've got the mountain to protect us. Um, and then they're just like, mm, we're, we're going to take them down someday. Yeah. It's very, so, it's very much like the matrix ending where yes. it's like, it's like works so well, I think because the goal isn't like save the world. It's like, we got to do this one thing, yeah. you know, that will help us in the larger scheme, but it's like so much more personal. The stakes while being lower feel higher. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, it's it, like we said, like not a lot happens, but it's so vivid and it's mm-hmm. so like just well told that like, who cares? Like mm-hmm. I don't need every, not every book or movie or whatever has to be about saving the world, which I think 
Yeah. Which a lot of people are talking about. Like that like is very much like it's like a, a talking point about storytelling right now in like sci-fi, especially in like superhero movies, you mm-hmm. know. Um Yeah, I mean, cuz I, I I like the I I like going away from saving the world yeah. to like buying time yeah. to like doing this task that like for now will help. Yeah. But because I mean, isn't that kind of what life is? Yeah. Like all you're doing is buying time. Yeah. <laughs> so that sweet release of death. Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh my God. Have you ever read the Spoon River anthologies? No. What is that? Okay. It's a collection of poems and it was written by this guy. I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, but he went back to the town where he grew up, which is a really small town, and he had always hated small town life. Mm-hmm. Um and he wrote basically just poems like one poem per name of people that were dead in that town and some of them are fictional and some of them are real but there's one poem that moved me so much and it's like have you ever had um a toothache that um person like i'm obviously paraphrasing but it's like have you ever had a toothache that persisted or um a memory of a thing that you did or like a worry or a thought and it just persists and like basically like festers in you your whole life until and i i just really liked the use of this where it was like basically that always is in your subconscious always until you die and then you awaken or it's like um and the release that you experience when you die is like waking like a a man free of sickness Mm. and i thought that was interesting to like use like the pinnacle of like aliveness to describe like death yeah sure <laughs> but it was just like oh god yeah, yeah. i mean that's basically i was like man that's my outlook on life it's yeah. like basically just slogging through no one's neurotic in heaven huh? no no one's neurotic in heaven <laughs> we're all very well adjusted self-actualized <laughs> uh-huh. no, no no insecurities mm-hmm. oh my god the dream <laughs> the dream um okay so i want to know what the fuck happens so i don't can you spoilies just some i can a little bit i don't remember there's there's four books, including the first one. Okay. Three in the trilogy, and then there's a prequel that takes place in the, like, must be like the 1980s, because that's when it was written. It was okay. written way later. In the by co- the same guy or yeah, like yeah, the ghostwriter? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Same guy. And I remembered the cover of it is like these people in the snow in hunting gear, and they're super freaked out. And they, yeah. they're, one of them has like a rifle, and he's shooting at something. And I don't remember what it was, but that one to me is like, I think like more of a horror yeah. like type thing where like, like these like, like the normal thing. people like go... And like, it's just these people are like in a cabin and the tripods come and they try and survive. And it's like, I don't, what? They're probably not going to. They're not to. going to. Like, why would I read that? Like, Spoiler you know, it's alert. like. Or they're going to get capped at the end. Exactly. Oh man, um, that's. Yeah, I never. Pike novel. <laughs> yeah, I never read that one. Um, uh, but basically, one what I remember, I don't remember the second one a lot, like at all. I think this happens in the third one um, where I think he does meet up with Eloise again. And we discover that these aliens, whatever they're called, whoever they are, like have servants. Essentially, they get people as servants. And so he gets a fake will gets a fake cap. OK. And becomes a servant of one of them. And I remember it like something where he's like brushing his hair uh-huh. or something like that. Or and then, Wait, he's brushing the alien's hair. Something like that. Wait, So what do the aliens look like? I don't I don't remember. Oh, my God. I, I don't remember. But so they're not tripods, though. No, no, no. <laughs> they're inside. Have you read the Sparrow? No. The Sparrow is an interesting book that it involves like it's about this like jesuit priest that's on the mission to go meet the first mission to go meet aliens brad pitt and hugh jackman were at one point gonna be like the priest guy 
It's a movie? It's not, but it, okay. it, it was going to be a movie in like the mid 2000s. I see. Like, it came like, out when we were in college. America's not ready. No. <laughs> I mean, what a, it's like also very religious too. It's it's really interesting. Um, it, oh, is it like it's a Christianish book? No, no, but there are themes like Catholic the It's like it's a there are theme Catholic themes, right? Cuz he's a Jesuit mm-hmm. priest and so right, like right, that. Right. And it's like very much like kind of like you know, the Jesuits were all, all about the, you know, they were one of the main forces in the new world, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff totally. like that. So it's, but, um, have you seen the promotion or the previews for sexy young Pope starring Julie? I want to see that I, okay, so bad at the beginning. I was like, so the, at the beginning of the preview, I was like, who the fuck wants to see sexy young Pope Pope at the end? I was like, I'm all on board yeah. for sexy young Pope. He's so bad. He's he smokes so bad. cigarettes. He smokes cigarettes and he makes Diane Keaton call him your holiness. This is not your dad's Pope. I'm no. just saying, I'm just putting <laughs> that out there right now. All right. What the hell? This Pope. Fucks. This Pope fucks big time. <laughs> he's a big time fucker. <laughs> I love the I, I, I love the shot where he's like blessing the trucks. Yeah, like what, what is that about? I don't know. I need to know. I can't wait until January twenty, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's the the director is awesome. His name is Paolo Sorrento uh-huh. Sorrentino, I think. He has this movie called Il Divo, which okay. is about this prime minister in Italy in like the nineteen seventies who basically was like Basically, like, kind of Trump-esque, where he was just, like, fucks and, like, just does whatever he wants. And it's super, super stylized. Like, that's just a highly stylized. Very stylized, very big, very crazy, like, Mm -hmm. characters and, 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 like, realistic political settings type thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was... Sorry, now I'm like, no, we're, we're on a tangent. sexy pope. But okay, no, 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 this is on to something else. Because we were talking about Handmaidens coming out. So I was like, okay, I need- The, to... the Korean film. Yeah. It's already out. It's out. Well, it's at the arc. I mean, okay. for all the LA people, it's at the arc. Okay, I almost Los Angeles and New York. Yeah, Los Angeles um, and New York. Well, I really wanted to see, I really fucking want to see it. I really want to see it. I really want to see it. So I was like, I'm going to watch Old Boy, um, which is awesome, but I forgot how insanely- gory it oh it's is. gruesome with the teeth i oh. have a teeth thing yeah i don't like teeth either yeah you mean the like the ending bit right when they're like pulling out oh earlier yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i was like i cannot deal with this tooth shit yeah. oh and then there's like a hammer situation yep it's gruesome have you seen any of his have you seen any of the like no. uh, sympathy for mr vengeance and sympathy for lady vengeance no i haven't it's seen those Awesome. Amazing. Cool. You should see them. Cool, also cool, very cool. gruesome. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where I was like in the middle of a very heavy depression <laughs> and started watching it and I was like, I'm going to throw up everywhere. I yeah. cannot yeah. continue. But I think now, since I'm like more nihilistic, I think everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been facing the world with like so much nihilism today. Um, Why? <laughs> 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 oh no why what happened oh we both started weeping <laughs> why <laughs> um, uh, yeah i, I want to see handmaiden so bad i want to see it looks so fucking dope i heard it's so sexy <laughs> i bet it's sexy. Super okay, sexy the fucking commercial with the preview i was like damn this shit is sexy i want to see that i want to see a rival what is a rival it's the this like these uh pod like alien giant alien pod ships do you watch venture brothers I did. Do you, yeah. Do you you know the the ship that the monarch has? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Like basically that oh shows God. up all over the world and Amy what? Adams is this oh, linguist. I Okay, that's where I had heard about that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it was on a BBC's like list of movies you should see in November. 
BBC yeah. list. God, no wonder yeah. we lost. <laughs> I know. This is, this is what I'm fucking reading. Oh, <laughs> God. Mm, yes, the mm, Great no. British Baking Show. Ready for Hillary. <laughs> That's all yeah. I do. Yeah, no, I mean, I do too. Like, we've had oh, discussions. I know. I mean, we've yeah. t- talked about that. And fucking, why don't we have a Great British Baking, baking sh- podcast? podcast. <sighs> Holy shit, Kelly. That is a really. No, honestly, well, wait. It's hold too late the phone. For that now, but it's yeah. canceled and Mary Berry's leaving, and so is the but it's, male George. Is it? Yeah, the male George. Uh, goodbye. It's a good bike. Good bike ride. Good bike. Was oh my god! I was on a She's date a the other night, and I basically was like, the way Paul Hollywood handles the food mm-hmm. is like he like fucking gropes it. Yeah, it he is, does. There's something very attractive about, it. and He's, I'm not, you know, n- no. but like, I, I'm not <laughs> that way. But <laughs> but something about the way he fucking just like manhandles no, those. Yeah, big he'll, he'll he'll like the way he like crumbles off a piece of that. Like, yeah, I'm like. And he's doing it for Mary Berry too. Oh yeah, yeah. what he oh what he does this week. Oh. It's like oh you just you don't give a fuck, Paul yeah. Hollywood. They no. spent all that time on yeah, that. all that time. And he's like sitting there, like he'll like break a cookie with one hand, like against the table. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like you like lift it up diagonal and press. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, it yeah, breaks. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Paul Hollywood. Uh, uh, oh, or like the way he like when they have like croissants or like some kind of like or like shoe pastry or whatever. He, like, oh my turns God. it up and like stabs yes. the inside. Yes. And he's like, oh, uh, it's yeah. like no, he. Okay, yeah, when he like stabs it and then rips it open and like goops his finger on it, and I'm like, what are you doing, son? Yeah, yeah. What are you uh, doing? You're like a George O'Keefe painting. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, uh, God. Uh, we you, should do a British We baking. should do it. It's, I don't think anyone else is doing it. No. Is anyone doing it? We have to delete this. Do, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Do it. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. Um, It is <laughs> coming back, though, right? I mean, what? With no Mary Berry and no... Yeah. With Paul the, Hollywood yeah, and the well, host left. Well, no, I think Paul Hollywood is staying, but the host—I think he's the only one that's staying. What? I think. Paul, Paul, you can break apart a juicy pastry really good, <laughs> but you can't hold British Baking Challenge on your shoulders it's, alone. Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot to ask because the hosts are leaving. Hosts mm-hmm. left. Mary Berry left. Yeah. Why well, I think Barry the leave? show was going to le- move to from BBC to Channel Four. I don't. I don't know. Channel Four. What are you saying? What's Channel? Channel Four. four so basically, Channel Four is. Watch me totally fuck this up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an American that watches British program. Uh, I think so. Channel Four is, I think, one of like their private TV Mm, channels. So they've got like Sky TV or whatever. Like Channel Four is like BBC has. I feel that's. I feel like this might be wrong, but Channel Four is like private. So they must have just bought the rights. I see. To to. To the show and it's leaving BBC, so it can't even be on PBS anymore. That's how we get to see it. It can if PBS licenses it. I mean, that's not. Mm. It's not like. It's not like. It's not like me exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like exclusive. Only, <laughs> it's only state state run <laughs> broadcasting corporations can broadcast it. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be insane. Um, oh my god, I miss the British. That yeah. show, my blood pressure is down when oh. I watch that show. Oh Ugh. my god, the, it's a dream. The I love how the most suspenseful moments are like. Oh my god! Is that cake gonna crumble when they frost it? It's yeah. Like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Or is, okay. yeah, is that like a Swiss roll gonna crack? Yeah. Right. Oh my god! And I, I like don't. I'll watch like a cooking show if someone else is watching mm-hmm. it, but I, I don't like time challenges. For, Me neither. For two reasons: one, I don't like being stressed out, like, yeah. like that, and two, they're always gonna plate the food. It's yeah. always gonna like ninety nine percent of the time it's gonna end up. And on everything a plate. that like, they air when they're like two seconds left is not actually no, happening when they're saying two seconds left. No. So it's just like bullshit. Whereas this, they don't fucking lie to you. No. Like they'll have one dude that's just like walking around and he's done yeah. like 10 minutes early and they're helping each other. I love that they help each other. Yeah. 
they're nice. Yeah, and it's like it's a it's a it's a show about skill and technique. Like I don't care. Oh my god, I, we should totally do a podcast because yeah. you're a skilled bakist. So you well, will bring I'm, you know you will bring some technical know how, sure. and I will bring my fun attitude. Yeah, I love <laughs> fucking a. I love this. I love, I love this it. so much. I love it. I mean, we we could theoretically just even do we can do one right now. <laughs> we, could do, we could just do the first season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. You want it? We could do it like a mini series. Yeah, we could talk like you know. I wonder. Do you you know? They He's got ha- his hand. He's got his hand up. <laughs> last, I don't know if they're doing it this year, but last year they did an American version that was like four episodes. That was like what? the holiday best uh, <gasps> America's best holiday baker. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. I didn't watch it. We could talk about that. It was cool. It was like not it was cool. It was like not as like they're not as it wasn't as skilled, and it was a lot more American focused. So like a lot of the stuff that we make is like cookies, and cookies are great, but they're not. They're no. very forgiving. Yeah. Bake. Like you're not you're really hard to, not hard to fuck up a cookie, but like really there's not a lot of technique there. So it's. And there's also, I mean, not that I've seen it, but there is like a cuteness that's lost when you yeah. bring something. Cause there is a certain amount of earnestness mm-hmm. and sweetness that yeah. I will credit to British shows that if it happens in an American show, I'm like, get the fuck out. Yeah. I don't need that. Well, it's like if they're sweet and I mean, the thing is, is that's like if they're sweet and like, honest and like salt of the earth country people 99% of the time they're probably a Trump voter <laughs> like yeah, that's it's like problem. that's like I won't be able to get that it's like oh like you're like a very nice like white woman from the rural south you probably have very sh- fucked up thoughts on like mm-hmm. black lives matter like yeah you know like but so like it, whereas like Norman from season one of British Baking yeah. Challenge who has his own berries so he makes his own jam mm-hmm. love it yeah what's not to like yeah I mean it's <laughs> It's it's not I have no like stake in this like no, exactly. in, in their society. Also, like they're so effusive. They're like, Yeah, a lot to win, but uh, you know, there's a lot of good bikers here, so I don't know if I deserve to win. Yeah. You know, and it's like and then they win and they're like I'm yeah. crawling about a cake. Yeah. I'm crawling about a chocolate cake. Yeah, it's and it's like they do win. They're like, Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to win. Thank I'm very happy. A, a, a bit proud. Very, huh. very, I don't mean to be, you know, like <laughs> full of myself but i do think i was the best you know who I you're won. challenging or ch- channeling you know who you're channeling you're channeling um season one the guy that was the construction worker the builder yeah, yeah. the builder yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay. made it really a fall. pencil behind my ear yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy love oh, that, that guy dude. that dude love yeah, 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 that yeah, guy yeah. love him yeah okay, yeah let's save him let's cool save him. all right all right okay. cool, 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 this is gold cool, gold cool. gold cool. okay so it is in tripods. They are aliens that are inside of a tripod. They are. Did they yeah. fly here? They obviously. I think no, so. They, they must sailed have. here. I like we. I like was. I must have been okay. eight or nine when my my dad and I read. The, like my dad used to read to me as a kid. Oh, did he read these to you? Yeah, yeah. that's really sweet. That yeah. was something that I should have asked you at the top of the show. No, that's fine. Did you guys read a lot of books together? Yeah, that's really cute. Mm-hmm. Um. What happens in the <laughs> Tripods trilogy? Oh, no. Oh, I'm on the Wi-Fi. Thank God. Okay. Oh, the Tripods. Did you know that there was a science fiction series, TV series, produced in the UK in the 80s? Yeah, it's a BBC show. Yeah. And then in, in like 2011 or 2012, they uh-huh. announced that they were developing a thing, but I, I nothing's come up like come of it like every every like once a decade they'll like try and make these into movies again interesting and this nothing will come of it pastoral that was the word i was looking uh, for to yeah. describe their lives pastoral totally yeah. um 
Middle Ages. That's right. Watches. Oh, right. It opens oh, with yeah. the watch. That's right. The whole there's yeah. Will has this fascination with watches, and watches are kind of this like status symbol. And like, I don't. I wish I kind of had a deeper understanding of like what symbolically it meant. But like, he steals his dad's watch, and then Henry tries to take it from him in the beginning, and he puts it back, and like, then he later finds a watch. I don't know. I th- I, I mean, think it's... that that's like, um. So if we look at that encapsulated and we look at the rest of his journey encapsulated Mm -hmm. so he has this like grab on something that's outside Mm -hmm. of the tripods and it's taken away from him and then he gets scared and it's challenged like his ownership of that thing is challenged and his friend who's about to be capped and does in fact go through with it helps him put it back and hide it and put it away where it should be hidden and i think the rest of the book is about him going after something he shouldn't be going after with the help of the person that challenged him in the beginning with Mm. this like sacred thing that was outside of the tripod's purview. It's about like him going fully for that. Yeah. And I think in the second where he's like at the, the aristocracy house where he's like, "Mm, I'm going to go back and do that. I think that's the moment where he is putting it away. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to leave. Yeah. And so he like then goes and leaves it. I just made that up right now. It's good. What Thank what you. happens to the watch? Like because he finds a watch in the Paris. No, but remember he finds a watch in the Paris in Paris. That's right. And he puts it on. He puts it on and like tries to hide it from Henry and being pulled. Yeah, he he wants to have it for himself. Yeah. And then when they do see it, they're not impressed. And yeah. he's like, oh. I kind of thought you guys would think yeah. it was like a cool thing I was wearing. Yeah. And Beanpole's like, oh, I've seen those. Yeah. Um. Hmm. It's interesting, yeah. Maybe that's about thinking you're special. Nobody's yeah. special. Everybody I mean, it, sucks. It, it makes me wonder if it's some kind of like thing, like his dad had a watch, so it's kind of like his idea of like manhood or like being mm-hmm. an adult is kind of tied up with yeah. that. But And I the fact that his dad still had one, that makes mm-hmm. me wonder like how much of your humanity is left after you're capped because his dad still has this like inkling of a fascination with right. things. Right, and he's got, yeah, and he's got feelings about it too, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yeah. Interesting. interesting that's sad so has he ever meet up with his family again probably not i don't think so they're gone no i think it's like they're resistance fighters i mean it's it's it, i think it follows like a pretty traditional like ya dystopian series i think that the there is a reason why like this kind of like high stakes dystopian thing where you like run away from home mm. is so popular like all kids want to fucking run away and like be a hero yeah. and like homework is means nothing because i've got this to worry about absolutely that was like my fucking dream like middle school and high school i was like i mean the reason why i was so obsessed with like buffy was like the stakes are higher like the world could end yeah well everything like <laughs> the amount of feelings i felt as a teenager like in one hour versus the amount of feelings I like, well, let's say not today, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like as an adult, like, like, yeah, okay. Feelings. Like I have them occasionally, you know what I mean? But like everything there's being a teenager is an epic feeling. The world is Mm -hmm. so new and you're experiencing so much of it. And you're caught in that place where you feel like you should be an adult, but you're still a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone treats you like a kid, Yeah, you know? And like, I think so much of YA fiction, like, like, in um, like the dystopian mold is just that kind of like tapping into that feeling of like the world feels like it's there for you. Yes. Whereas as you get to be an adult and you realize like, Oh yeah, the world doesn't give a fuck about me. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Like, I don't like, you know, it taps into that. Like I'm special. There's I'm the chosen one, you know? And there so, is, yes, there is totally that like yearning to have validation for that feeling yeah. where you're like, the world is for me. Yeah. Um, 
because, yeah, I mean, that I can like reach back and grab that feeling like it's just right there. Mm-hmm. Um, where you, because everything to you when you're a teenager is fucking life or death. Yeah. And I mean, if <laughs> I guess we are kind of coming from a place of privilege where it wasn't actually, no, it wasn't, no. Um, but to us, it was like, it felt like that. And to like be able to dip into that and like pretend for a minute that like the stakes are that high and to give yourself this like label of like chosen and it gives you, I don't know, this feeling of like purpose, I guess. And, um, I think when you grow up, it's totally true. You realize like, oh, everybody wants the world to be theirs. And so that means that nobody gives a shit about you mm-hmm. and everybody only cares about themselves mm-hmm. and that fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it also means that there's a certain, I think a freedom to that where it's like, I can be my own person. Like I'm totally. not prescribed by these rules and these, you know what I mean? And I don't have to fight people. Yeah. Cause I think that's so much of like, I mean, I know I definitely had that mentality of where it's like, like against the world and like that was exciting and enticing, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, when you realize that like you don't have to fight if you don't want to, like that's really nice, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And there are certain, yeah. Like there are certain things that like, I, I'm just like, man, it's easier to let that kind of shit go. Yeah. Like just like small things. Like my mom gets really mad about like the dumbest shit. Like uh, someone ringing up an order, like ringing up an item and it is more expensive than it looks. She will be like, this is an outrage. Like you are attacking me. Like she thinks that that person is like trying to swindle her. Sure, sure. And I'm like, man, it is so much easier. It's so much easier to live your life with the realization that nobody gives a shit enough about you to try and like attack you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm like sometimes uh, conscious, like self-conscious of like, like how I look, you know? Mm -hmm. And so- for a long time, like it would, I'd be like, all right, like if I'm gonna leave the house, like I can't just look like a slob. But now it's like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll like go out looking like an asshole. You know what yeah. I mean? And just like put like a hat on or something. Yeah, you know? totally. And it's like being so looks conscious as like a teenager. Being yes. Now is oh like, oh my god, crazy. You know? Yes. Like, it's nice. You think everybody's looking at you? Yeah. Well, you just, you grow up and you realize what actually matters and, you know, like who is president, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And like. Or even small things like, like, like my friends are going to think I look like a slob. Yeah. And it's like, well, the ones that matter won't think it matters. Yeah. And like, even, even it's like, and this is kind of a bummer to say, but even like, you know, sometimes you don't, you fall out of touch with friends. You're yeah. get new friends, you know, and that like. You 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 learn that that's okay and that's like part of it and that like that like I don't know it's it's trite right but the only thing that really matters is how you kind of choose to be a person you know totally yeah although it can feel kind of pointless sometimes like <laughs> right um like okay like so my birthday just came and passed and I was like heinously depressed on my birthday I'm always very depressed on my birthday um and I think it's because I don't ever want to plan anything. And then by the time I decide I do want to plan something, it's always like so last minute that I'm like worried that no one's going to come. And then I'm like, why even bother opening myself up with that risk to be like, Hey, come to this thing and only to be confirmed like, Oh, nobody will do it. (laughs) And now I'm alone. Yep. And I, 
I don't know. No, I know. Nothing no, no. makes you feel more alone than your birthday. Yeah, no, I get it. Look, <laughs> look, my birthday is the day after Christmas. Really? <laughs> yeah, and I'm Jewish. So like, <laughs> so, like, it's like a double, like, and I, I, and I don't, like, go home for the holidays. I stay in L.A., which is, like, I, I, I kind of love that because the city clears out. And, like, yeah. you know, four of my friends, like, random friends, you know, yeah. will, like, be there. And there's something so special, like, if you're an out-of-towner who is in L.A. over the holidays, it feels like, it feels like. So you don't go home for any like no Thanksgiving no uh, sometimes like sometimes Thanksgiving but okay. like um my, sometimes my parents will come to like Palm Desert and like I spent like last yes you were with them yeah recently. it was with them like recently but like last year they came and I spent like uh, my birthday with them oh that's nice you know? yeah um but they live on like the East Coast so it's like a pain in the ass and like I I just you know if I'm there I'm there just with them and like I don't know anyone it's not like they live in South Carolina I grew up in D.C. so it's not. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not living in the home I grew up in. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not a lot for me there. But, um, except my parents, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah. So I've always had this, this, this thing where it's like, yeah, I should have my birthday like in August, you know? But I, I'm also don't want to do the thing where it's like, all right, well, now let's see who shows up, you know? I know. And it's like, it's always more people than you think. It like, is. It's always more people, people do pull through. And then, like, the, like, you know, people come and then, like, it's nice and you can, you know, and like, it's really easy to think that people won't show up for your shit, you know, but I think you, like, you have so many friends that would come. It's not yeah. me. You know, I'm not interested. Don't invite me. Don't invite me. <laughs> but, um, he's like passed a note to me that says, please invite me. <laughs> please invite yeah. um, I, I, <laughs> um, I think though that that totally comes, and I think I might've said this on a different podcast, hopefully not this one, um, where like I have this like intense uh, I, okay. So I recently took the Myers-Briggs test. <laughs> um, and I'm, did and you pass? I passed. Nice. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> um, and I, it, you know, revealed a lot of stuff about that. I was like, yeah, shit, you know, I do do that where I like, don't trust other people. So I take control over a lot of things. And that even translates to like, like, for example, if I'm like planning something, like I would rather sit on my couch alone and say, well, that, like, and and not have tried because then I controlled it and I'm the one who gets to say yeah I'm alone and I don't have friends yeah then to take the risk and have someone else possibly indicate to me that like they don't want to spend time with me yeah you don't want to make yourself vulnerable you totally. it's much easier than yeah no absolutely like I you know who most people are very like adverse to putting themselves in a situation in which they can be rejected yeah. 99% of people don't want to do that. It's like a very human thing. It's yeah. a weird thing though. Like if it's something where I can separate myself from the work, cause like I audition for shit all the time for video right. and get rejected all the time yeah. and I don't give a shit. Yeah. But it's like, I think it's when it's like, but, but me like that's when. Yeah. Well, because know. then it's not like, like your work isn't, <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely have this problem, but it doesn't seem like you do where it feels like your work is a reflection of who you are as a person. I, I very much like, wrap up my personal worth in my work it know? is for the stuff that i've written yes yeah. but when i'm doing vo i'm like uh, right. i can blame something else i can blame right. all that script right yeah shitty. when i was like writing copy for like you know tweets for the kevin yes. spacey cat movie i didn't really feel like oh, <laughs> this one really reflects this yeah one, this one is me like yeah. you know yeah totally. so, no i i get that i get that um yeah wait what are we talking about what's, uh how is it related to the book or just what are we talking about? We're just talking about uh, like vulner vulnerability. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Vulnerability. Rejection. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I do. Do you listen to there? Do you know who Jonathan Goldstein is? 
No. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to end on gold and I was going to be like the food critic. (laughs) God, have you seen a picture of him? Uh Uh-huh. He is a face. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> it's ooh. Like, We're uh, starting a war with Jonathan Gold. Let it be known. Fuck, no, I just, it's Fuck like. Jonathan Gold. <laughs> um, it's called Heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jonathan Gold scene is this, it's on Gimlet Media, not to plug another. Let's delete that. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, download This American Life. Um, uh, I started just doing ads for yeah. like Casper mattresses. <laughs> hey guys, uh, do you ever. Use a mattress. Nature box. Nature box. Uh, do you like boxes? Do uh, you like nature? <laughs> do you guys have sponsorship? On no. That? No. Um, but uh, uh, basically it's, oh God, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Basically he has this this podcast where he goes and like kind of like re, like does like personal like missions for people. I don't know how you would describe it, but like in one he like talks to this guy who's like in his 40s and he's like feeling like really like kind of uh stunted like personal per, like personally in his is in his career mm-hmm. and then he realizes that a lot of it like he's got these still has these strong feelings about the fact that he lent moby these cds that moby then sampled into his like oh you know what i mean so and he just wants to get his cds back but it's also like you know really about this dude having this friend moby who's like 10 times yeah. more successful than him you know and stuff like that um and so then jonathan goldstein talked about how he dated this woman when he was like 18 and he like gave all of himself to mm-hmm. this relationship. Just very, very vulnerable. And ever since then, he's kind of like after that relationship ended, he like has never really felt as vulnerable. And that was something that I was like thinking about because I feel like I had a relationship four or five years ago or yeah, about f- three or four years ago where I was like super vulnerable, you know, and super into it. And ever since then, I've kind of just like not done that. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't something I did consciously, but I, I but like looking back on it now, like, in relationships since then, I can remember thinking things like, well, I'm not going to say I love you until she says it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that. Are you crazy? Yeah. No, I've, I've been the person that says it first and they're just like, that's nice. And you're like, yeah. holy shit, I'm going to go cry in the bathroom yeah. for 30 minutes. Yeah. <sighs> that sucks. And this dude, Jonathan Goldstein, it's it's something that he's that he's like in his 50s now. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily, I'm. this is only a couple of years ago for me, but it's just like, I want to be more vulnerable. I like really do. I really want to be more vulnerable. You know, yeah. I think for the longest time I was way too vulnerable, like played all my cards and mm-hmm. like, really let like the world fucking hurt me and put myself in position mm-hmm. to be hurt, you know, but like I, I had like chose some poor partners, not mm-hmm. because they were bad people, but just because they weren't right for me, you know, the last couple of years. And like, I think it's easier to do that than to date someone who potentially could be mm-hmm. very good for you. You know what I mean? And like. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to like put myself in a position where like, I'm not okay if this person breaks up with me. Yeah. Because certainly I've been in a lot of relationships recently where it's like, yeah, if they dumb me, who gives a shit? Like I'm fucking fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. There's like, I have big problems being vulnerable and being, um, I, I have this like genuine fear that I can't be enough for a person that I can't like, I don't know that I can't be, I can't like fully trust a person. Like I can't show them like my puppy belly, you know, like I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've ever said this on the air, (laughs) but I, uh, I might delete this. Uh, when I was 19, I was all in with this guy and then he raped me. And then like, I thought that I was like, okay, obviously never okay yeah 
but um like my heart is racing so fast um like six months ago i was like on facebook and i had thought i had blocked like everybody that i was like tertiarily involved with with him and i guess there was a person that like since then had um become close with him and i just saw like so excited to see and get married today and seeing that like i was like what the fuck and for nine years i had not thought about this person for more than 30 seconds at a time or let's say seven years um because for two years after that i was like a little bit fucked up about it um and i was like catatonic i was just like what the fuck the fact that this person like this thing was a blip to this person and this was something that like irrevocably fucked me up because right now I can't do anything other than sit here and feel like I've been brandishing my fist at the skies and you feel very powerless. Yeah, yeah. totally. And just like, like there's no fucking justice in the world. Cause like what, 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 what's my, what's my recourse? Like, no, I haven't reported it and he gets to live his life and get married to this woman who I assume probably doesn't know um, that he did something like that. And all of that was just like, I was like, fuck. And, and I think that certainly, certainly has informed how I deal with relationships now. Because for me, I'm just like, I don't fucking trust you. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to trust people. And then you know what fucking happened? This was like such a, I've, I've never dealt with something like this before. I um so I had told like some of his friends and they stayed friends with him. Yeah. And so I was like, cool. Okay, well, you guys get to go live your lives and <laughs> go live your antiquated sexual politics with yourselves and I will continue to live my life. And um you know how you can send voice messages on Facebook? Yeah. One of his friends just sent me this voice message that was like, "Do you want to hear about Mike's wedding?" I bet fuck? you want to hear about Mike's wedding. That's so fucked up. Yeah, no, I got that message. And like, I like recently this happened. Yeah, like wow. three. It was probably like a, two weeks after the wedding, thing. the wedding thing. Yeah. And I just like threw my phone down and I was just like, like shocked. Oh my God. Like yeah. just sitting there like, yeah. holy fuck. Yeah. Um, And I don't like. I was just like, why won't this end? Like, so I mean that for sure. Like, so the, so there, there were like two levels of things that like have affected my ability to fucking yeah. trust people. And like one is the obvious big like fucking elephant in the room. And the second is like the consequences of that. And like how like the like just intense amount of like fuckery that happens afterwards. Like, should you try to reach out to anybody? Um, and so, like, th that for sure, like, has made me be, like, I'm, <laughs> I, I, that's something I've definitely struggled with, was, like, not being as vulnerable or as, like, present or any of that in relationships. And it's weird because it's, like, yes, I can tell you this story right now and say it on the air, um, but I'm still controlling it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm telling the narrative. I'm the one, I'm saying, like, I'm vulnerable, but, like, on my terms. Like, this is this thing that I'm going to say. If someone else were to reveal that without me knowing, like I would be fucking devastated. Of course, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. but I think, but I think uh, there's a, uh, 
you're being vulnerable right now and and I don't I don't know if there's any qualifiers that need to be like yeah. added to that. You're you're doing it in a way that it, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but does it, it feel a little empowering? Does it feel like you're kind of like taking charge? You're telling your I, story. I don't. I know. have like, never outed his name ever to anyone, um, except for the people that I of told when we were like you know mutual friends and whatever. Um, and I started like writing a piece about it, but it was one of those things where like once I started writing it, I was like, oh, I am in a shitstorm of depression right now. Like I feel. Like, like it's it's like every time you sit down and write it, you ha- like in a sense relive it. And so it's like, do I like every time I sit down to like start working on it again? I'm like, do I want to like basically trash the rest of my day? Like, do I want like the rest of my yeah. day and like maybe the next day sure. to be basically in the shitter? Because like, yeah, because yeah, it will like put you in a really fucking shitty headspace. And I don't know it. Yeah. It's like not a fun thing to relive. So of course not. Um, but yeah, like so that definitely, for sure, has colored my ability to like be available. Yeah, in the right way. But that's something I'm working on. I don't know. I should go see a therapist. Everyone. Should <laughs> Everyone see should see a therapist. A therapist. <laughs> I've been. In, you know, I'm in. I've been in therapy for like eight years. I mean. More than I that. didn't know it was that long. But yeah, no, I've been like the same therapist for like eight years. Oh, do you like your therapist? Love my therapist. Awesome. I got really lucky. I like literally eight years ago went to find a therapist.com. No. What? Found this woman who was way too expensive, but she was like, ah, I've got this dude. Who, yeah. Like we'll do sliding scale. He doesn't like have his doctorate yet. And I've been seeing him ever since. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, I, oh, I lucked out. Mm-hmm. I really, really lucked out. Um, And it's fantastic. Like I've grown so much as a person, like. You know, like when I was like 24, you know, versus or like 23, whenever I started versus where I am now is like leaps and bounds, man. Yeah, it really, totally. It, it's scary. But like at the same time, you can go at your own pace. Like the relationship I have now with my therapist is not the relationship I had like three years ago or four years mm-hmm. ago or when I started. It's like any other relationship. Uh, it develops and it changes. And as long as you feel like you're being helped, then there's no problems, you know. Yeah. The the scary part about therapy is that you will have to shop around. I got very lucky. Like what I did was very unusual. Mm-hmm. Very like that's not most people's experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I think about it is that you kind of need a therapist to be the voice in your head that you yourself are missing the most. Right? Yeah. So so what I say that is that like for me, I'm an only child, right? Like I always kind of like wanted like an older brother figure. So like my therapist is not that much older than me. There you go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just needed someone that like wasn't my dad, mm-hmm. you know, like, but like that I could relate to, you know, cause my, my parents are old. Like I got mm-hmm. old parents, you know? Um, so there's always kind of been this gap, you know, where it's just like, I've just like, you, you're like not, you're not like unhip people. You get the world, but like you just, there isn't a lot of overlap mm-hmm. at all. There's a yeah. real generation gap. Um, and so my therapist over the years has been like that voice in my head that says things for me that like I did not have naturally. Yeah. That had to come later that I had to learn, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. A lot of people have issues with, with their therapist at first and they need a new therapist and they're, I've heard so many fucking stories of 
shitty therapists. There are shitty therapists mm-hmm. out there. And like not shitty in the sense that like they're not good at therapy, but just shitty in the sense that they're not probably not great people to begin with. Yeah. You know, like like I, I'm not a huge I do not believe that therapists should be socializing with you outside of therapy. Oh, I do yeah, not believe yeah. the therapist that you should see the same therapist as your mother or father because that happens a lot in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, interesting. I've, that happens a lot. Like that's not okay. Yeah. Like you need to do so. Like, well, because then they're like informed about stuff. Yes, that is with you through another person. Well, that's yes. not. Yeah. And it's like it's not your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> that's your dad's or your mom's. Like if you're therapist. going to a family therapist altogether, that's one thing. Yes. <laughs> well, it's just like a therapy session should be about you and you primarily. Like mm-hmm. I do not go into my therapy. I never, I like when I walk into my therapist's office, I never am like, Hey, what's up? Mm. Tell me about your day. Yeah. Cause one, he doesn't want to talk about it. And two, I don't want to know. Yeah, it's I a don't waste give of a time. Shit. Nobody yeah, cares. Paying fucking money for yeah. this. I'm going to get my money's worth, you yeah. know? Um, and it's like the best way to think about therapy for me is like, it's like practice emotions. You know, mm-hmm. you get to go in there and you can fucking scream. You can say whatever you want, mm-hmm. you know, but you also get to, and that's great. And it's like a, like a, like a valve release type thing, but you also get to like hear this alternative point of view and you get to practice feeling things. You get to practice mm-hmm. like more positive ways to approach things, more positive ways to think about yourself and the world, you know? Um, and it's a space that's should be super safe. Um, ideally mm-hmm. is very safe space where you can just be you and the other person will never make you feel like you have to apologize for. Yeah. Never. Yeah. You know, totally. Um, but I also think you have to approach it like it's work it's work yeah totally you know but it's but it's 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 work that gets done in the doing it's not like work that has homework it's not mm-hmm. like work you know and as long as like i for the first couple of years i would walk in and be like all right cool so like i've got this problem how do i fix it and he's like mm, we just talk about it yeah and yeah like, you know it, if you embrace the process have you been in therapy before Mm-mm. it's scary at first but like you know i i would just recommend everyone to yeah the fucking entire country needs yeah. fucking world needs it i mean we're just like there's just so much that we're not taught we're just not get like we yeah should, there's no emotional like class that we can take that like nine times out of ten I, nine times like nine people out of ten do not know what they're feeling at any given point they, i know they, they're angry they don't know why they're sad they don't yeah. know why you know a lot of people like i'm not a person that holds things in if i'm fucking angry i'm angry and yeah. you probably know it you mm-hmm. know what i mean but like a lot of people Fucking just like everything's below the surface until one day they just like snap and not in a fucking like buy a gun, shoot everyone away, but just in a like way that's like self-destructive. Yeah, or, like totally. You know, I think I would benefit from it because I do I have like over I, I enjoy self work. And like that is something that like I will often be like, OK, like I'm pissed right now. Why am I pissed? And I'll like peel it back. And sometimes it's an unsavory thing. And I'm like, because I wanted fucking attention. That's why. And then you have to like peel that back and be like, okay, why did I want attention because of this or because of that? And I don't usually shy away from looking at myself in that way. Um, So I think it would be good for me. It was just, it was such a fucking mind blowing thing to go through just seeing that guy's name because it was like, I thought like, it was so weird. It was like, I have worked so hard on myself and like, I felt like I've like done so much work on like just trying to get closer and closer to the truth of like who I am. Um, and then to have all of that just dissolved just from seeing a person's name was like insane. Um, and I was kind of like, Oh, that's like a whole section of myself that I just never 
realized I buried and was just like, that's going to be there. I'm never going to fucking think about that thing. And I'm just going to like attribute my other weird trust issues to other shit. I don't know. Like it was, it's, uh, it's crazy. I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, it is crazy. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're coming up on the end of our time. <laughs> so I think we've, we've finished with everybody needs to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you were saying to me in the car that you might have just stayed in the aristocracy world and gotten yeah, capped. I think so. You think so? It was so nice. <laughs> it was really nice. And that is so scary yeah. to be like, do I take this risk yeah. to this unknown? Where the only thing that I really do know is that there will be, it'll be hard. Yeah. Well, I just don't, I mean, it's like very much the similar kind of themes in the matrix. I was right. just thinking this is so the matrix, like literally yeah. just now I was like, this is yeah. so the matrix. Well, I'm just not entirely, I, I don't, I don't know if this is a fault of the book or whether this is just text. This is part of it. What's so bad necessarily about being capped? Like you're not unfree or mm -hmm. you're not free in, in total, right? Mm -hmm. In total, you're not free. Yes. But like, you don't seem to, I mean, they, there's a, their society helps people. Mm -hmm. They seem to be kind. They don't seem to be kind in that creepy, like, Stepford wife yeah. type of way. Like, the society seems functional. Mm -hmm. People don't get hurt. I mean, it's like... And freedom, honestly, does not seem that dope. Because no. you're just running around on these, like, barren mountains, like, <laughs> yeah. hiding under rocks. Right. Today, is it, today of all days, we are not super up on democracy. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, it's... it's I, I would like to have known what... Whether it was just the whether will or the book was just opposed to anything that limits our freedom. Oh, interesting. Or whether there is some like real I mean, I guess I mean, I guess it is. Like they you know what? They send their kids away yeah. to service. That's these the things. thing. They're That's not, like the sacrifice yeah, you're making. They're not I mean, I guess you could oh. argue you're not in charge of your own destiny. What's that um is it in a Neil Gaiman book? It's in or maybe it's just a piece of general mythology where there's like peace in this town. But like a child has to be sacrificed every year. Oh yeah, it's not the lottery, is it? Oh, you know what? I think it might be the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but that's like very much like a like a that's like prevalent in like yeah, so. It's like much. an archetypal archetypal like story. Yeah, where it's like like utopia. I mean, the the notion that utopia can really only come about through some sort of sacrifice. Yeah, that that like I mean, it's it's what it's it's uh you know the garden of eden right mm -hmm. that like human existence has always strived towards this perfect existence that we know isn't possible so then when it does come about it must be because we did something horrible to achieve it right? yeah it's like you know the I mean? like good and evil version of the law of thermodynamics where it's yeah. like it has to go somewhere right there is always going to be this balance so it kind of reminds me of like twin peaks or like um where it's like there's always going to be this dual side to something. Yeah. And also reminds me of Fallout. Or I'm sorry, not Fallout. Um, Bioshock. Mm -hmm. Where it's like this fucking utopian thing. It has to come at a price. Because yeah. the thing is, is that like we as humans, I'm not going to say that we're inherently evil. Hard to say right now. But I would say we're inherently neutral. Like we're inherently chaotic neutral. I feel mm -hmm. like that's what we are. And... And to to try and get this like utopian thing where everyone's always good and everything's always pleasant, that's not going to solve people's inner 
desires. That's going to come out somewhere. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So I say read this book. I like this book. This was a good book. And sure, read the other ones too if you want. I can't speak to them. Did not read them. We can ask eight-year-old John. Uh, You can't ask him anything. (laughs) (laughs) He's buried under years of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're at nine-year-old John in therapy. Like We got one more year to go and then we'll find him and then maybe, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, John. My pleasure. Um, Do you have anything you want to plug? The Great British Baking podcast that we're going to <laughs> out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no. Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Groucho Marxist on Twitter. Cool. Awesome. Um, I don't really know what we say to sign up. Stay fresh. Stay fresh. Stay fresh. Stay fresh, America. For the love of God, stay fresh. <laughs>